Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we work to recover the dignity and mission of vocation. Learn more at metronmanager.com. Welcome to the Metron Manager Podcast. My name is Jonathan Nowlin. I'm your host. We live in unsettled times, a global health crisis, social unrest, economic collapse, and fear grip our nation and many others around the world. As part of my ongoing effort to equip you as a successful Metron Manager, I felt from the Lord that I should share a story with you, a part of my story. This part of my story involves another time and another place. This time and place were also in the middle of unsettled and dangerous times. The Soviet Union, the once unimaginably strong and seemingly permanent structure of this great nation had collapsed. Another kingdom of this world had been humbled and brought to ruin so that the King of Kings could bring justice and restoration. The kingdom of God was advancing and God had called me right into the middle of the chaos. Many of you feel that you are right in the middle of the chaos right now. Fear and loss seem to rule the day. I felt the same way in the early 1990s when I landed in Russia. You may feel that you are down to your last $5 and you are on a one-way ticket to hopelessness. You're likely asking God, where are you? I want to share this story that I call Faith in $5. I will be reading directly from my book entitled Faith and $5. I had $5, six countries, four months, and a one-way ticket to southern Russia. This book is about faith, obedience, and miracles. Many of you are praying for miracles to happen. I want to share this book in this series of podcasts as a testimony to the reality and the power of God. Ephesians 1 19 through 20 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the boundless greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. I hope you enjoy this reading of Faith in Five Dollars. Faith in five dollars. Five dollars, six countries, four months, and a one-way ticket to southern Russia. This is a book about faith, obedience, and miracles by Jonathan Nowlin. Everybody wants a miracle. We just don't want to be in a situation where we need one. You can't have one without the other. Sometimes what we perceive as our problem is really God setting us up to do something miraculous in our lives. It's about training ourselves to see those problems as opportunities so God can intervene. Pastor Mark Batterson Expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. William Carey Introduction The story I recount in this book takes place in the early 1990s when I was in my 20s. As I write, I'm now 40 years old, 
and have lived through dozens more similar experiences in my life and ministry in over 60 countries. I would not be where I am today if I had not been willing to trust and obey at a young age. My goal with this book is to inspire the reader to truly know the Lord and to learn to hear and obey His voice. So many Christians go through life bound by feelings of inadequacy, unable to perform. It is my hope that my testimony will inspire you to see beyond what the wisdom of the world sets forward as valuable, and even what the religious world endorses as the right way to go about a Christian life. I want to inspire you to live and work from a place of God's favor rather than for His favor. I believe I was able to thrive in this experience because I didn't know any better. I had not yet heard that God does not move in miraculous power, or that He does not speak to people anymore except through the Bible, so I was ready to believe whatever He said. I'm grateful that I had an opportunity to meet the Lord in the realm of the impossible and put myself in a position where he could prove himself to me. It is my prayer that this book will lead you into the waters of impossibility and will motivate you to learn how to swim. One more thing. In this book, I'm recounting a story within a story. As you read, you might wonder what else was going on in the ministry aspect of the work we were doing. However, my focus is on the story within the story. In life, there is what's going on, then there is what is really going on. This experience taught me to see my reality and the circumstances through the eyes of the Lord and to gain heavenly perspective so that I would be able to see what is really going on. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Chapter 1. Into the Fire Our train ride from St. Petersburg, Russia to Riga, Latvia was surely about to end with jail time. We were flying along the rails in a vintage Soviet-era passenger train that we had boarded the day before. This was supposed to be the easy leg of an already mystifying and life-shaping trip that had consumed the better part of the three previous months of my life. My team consisted of a band of young mission workers who had met and trained together in Youth with a Mission during the previous year. We also had met a few mission workers in St. Petersburg who had been working in Russia and who joined our team there. Our team had been formed through the invitation of our team leader, John. John had a vision and a network of contacts in Russia as well as in a number of other former Soviet republics. Our mission was to undertake follow-up discipleship training camps with the young people who had become Christians during the recent large-scale evangelistic crusades. St. Petersburg in those days was and still is an incredibly beautiful and intriguing city. However, these were dark days in the former Soviet Union. Law and order was in short supply, Mafia factions controlled virtually every aspect of the economy. Morality was unknown, life was cheap, and God was a concept that needed a lengthy explanation. We were relieved to escape the dangerous environment of the city. Our team had just completed an amazing time of ministry with hundreds of young Russian believers and those who were just on the edge of coming into the kingdom. This had been our first stop in this nearly three-month journey that would see us serve in St. Petersburg, Russia, Latvia, Belarus, and back again to Krasnodar in southern Russia. 
Although this particular train trip had begun simply enough back in St. Petersburg, the first sign of pending trouble became apparent shortly after the train began to pull out of the station. As our train slowly picked up speed heading into the beautiful, lush, green countryside, we had all begun to relax in our rooms on the train. We were fortunate to have purchased tickets for comfortable sleeper cars, and we were all looking forward to a good night of rest and recovery from our fruitful but very difficult camp. To give you an idea of the type of stress we were recovering from, it may be helpful to recount the unexpected details of our arrival in St. Petersburg. On arrival, we found ourselves in a small minibus racing through the streets of the city. We were crammed from floor to ceiling in this van, ten people riding high on top of all our luggage. We couldn't help noticing that our local contacts were extremely nervous during this crammed commute, and moreover, they seemed to resent our very presence there. However, when we pressed them for the reason for their nervousness, we discovered that we were not the object of their consternation. As we pulled up to a large, uninviting five-story gray building, our driver first stopped across the street to survey the entrance of the building and watch for any suspicious vehicles that may have been parked nearby. We kept quiet and watched this unexpected development take shape. Once our contact was convinced that the coast was clear, we pulled forward into an alley that was on the backside of a Christian ministry center. As we pulled up next to the back door in the alley, our driver sharply warned us not to stop moving or let anyone see us when we exited the vehicle. Our contact quickly explained that he was very afraid we would be spotted and immediately become targets for kidnapping or robbery by the local mafia factions. He pulled up next to the door and slid the minibus door open. We quickly piled out into the building with all our luggage. In the early 1990s, this part of the world could easily be compared to the wild, wild west. However, we made it through our short stay at this ministry center without any issues, managing to stay unnoticed until our departure. As our train now sped along, our train car attendant began making her way through the car, checking everyone's tickets and looking over passports. She was a nice enough middle-aged lady, abnormally happy and good-natured as compared to my more frequent previous experiences with stout and surly women who tended the cars on Russian trains. As she handed me back my passport, she proceeded to kindly inform me that we should pack our belongings because we were going to be arrested at the Latvian border. Needless to say, this ruined my moment of rest and relaxation. John, our team leader, and the rest of the group all crowded in, hoping to receive further explanation for this unexpected statement. As we all crowded around, she proceeded to inform us that two weeks prior, the Latvian government had suddenly changed its rules and would no longer issue visas on arrival at the border. Instead, visas must now be issued at a consulate outside of Latvia prior to arrival at the border. This policy change would be enforced by immediate arrest and detention of anyone who arrived at the border without a visa. As you can imagine, this was really not good news. Half of our group had acquired their Latvian visas in the U.S. prior to arriving in St. Petersburg for the first leg of our trip. The other half of the group, including myself, had all been in Russia already for the previous two months and were not aware of the rule change. These were the days before all things could be known with a simple check of the internet. Once you were on the field, you were largely disconnected from usual sources of information. These days, 
With the advent of widespread internet access, it is almost impossible to be disconnected from your home country or social circles. In the early 1990s in this part of the world, it could cost up to $60 per page to even send a fax if the opportunity to do so existed at all. Does anyone born after 1993 even know what a fax is anymore? Fear quickly began to set in. Facing imminent imprisonment for obeying Christ can offer a formidable faith challenge to even a veteran believer. Our group created a plan to limit the number of team members who would face arrest. We split the team into two groups. In one compartment were those with visas, and in another were those without. We decided to pretend that the two groups located each in its assigned train compartment were not associated with each other. In so doing, we hoped that only the members of the group who lacked visas would be detained, while the other half of the group would be admitted to Latvia. I found myself putting on layers of extra clothes, stuffing candy bars into my pockets, jars of peanut butter into my cargo pant pockets, hiding my few dollars of cash in my sock. I was convinced that we were going to be living the high life stuck in a jail cell on the Latvian border indefinitely. I would learn later how close that was to the truth. As Mike and I were frantically organizing for incarceration, I looked over at one of the ladies on our team. She was relaxed, stretched out on her train car bed. She looked at me with obvious irritation and said, I'm not even going to put my shoes on. We're not going to jail. I didn't have that level of confidence, and my fears were soon confirmed. By this time, it was the late evening, and we had just begun to approach the border of Russia and Estonia. It is important to note that at this stage of the dissolution of the Soviet Empire, Estonia was more or less a no-man's land, with no functioning government or working borders. Russia, on the other hand, maintained their side of the border and all other borders, with large numbers of bored and visionless soldiers. On our team, we were privileged to have a young Latvian mission worker who had actually trained with me in my original mission training program in YWAM. We had become friends during our discipleship training school, and she had joined our team for the trip from Russia back to her hometown in Latvia. She spoke not only Latvian and English, but she also spoke fluent Russian, as most Latvians did at that time. As we approached the border and the train was coming to a stop, she said, Don't speak to me in English. At this point, we experienced what was to become a regular border crossing ritual for us for the first time. The train stopped and squads of soldiers began entering each train car. We could hear them coming down the train car, pounding on doors, demanding to see documents. There was a tremendous amount of yelling, arguing, and scuffles, and occasionally individuals or entire families who had document problems were being tossed off the train in the middle of nowhere, even at night. Those of us who did not have Latvian visas waited nervously, along with our Latvian friend for the imminent showdown with the border guards. As anticipated, they began pounding on the door of our train compartment. Three guards with machine guns at the ready pushed into our tiny room and demanded our papers. Our fears were being realized, and we hadn't even reached Latvia yet. The guards demanded our passports and were not amused to find that we did not have Latvian visas. These guards had no English language ability and began to demand that our Latvian friend communicate to us that we were now to be thrown off of the train, in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the night. All of us understood enough Russian to catch the essence of what was being communicated. 
Our Latvian friend began to pretend that she was not able to speak English and that she couldn't figure out how to tell us the verdict. The soldiers became extremely agitated and an argument about our fate followed. After 10 minutes of this intense encounter, one soldier finally said, forget about them. Let them take their chances with the Latvians. And just like that, they walked away and we were through. Nevertheless, our trouble at the Russian border was just the beginning. One of my favorite statements of scripture is the second part of the book of Daniel, chapter 11, verse 32. But the people who know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. This scripture was beginning to really come alive in my life, and I found myself in the middle of this God story. When I embarked two months earlier, I had no idea how this four-month mission trip would shape my future and lay a foundation for future faith exploits. Thank you for listening to the Metron Manager Podcast, presented by Jonathan Nowlin and the Metron Manager Project. Remember, God has given you permission and a commission to work. Learn more at metronmanager.com.